Hey everybody, this is Greg, and before we get started with the podcast, I want to give a quick shout out to two of our sponsors. The first is a company that is very close to my heart, Dominar Studios. They're the makers of the Cloud Agent Suite. Their flagship product, Cloud CMA, is used by over 500,000 real estate professionals all across the country, and their customers have published over 15 million Cloud CMA reports. Also check out CloudMLX, their front-end-of-choice solution, which won Inman News' Most Innovative Technology Award and has crossed over 200,000 MLS members under site license. You can find out more at cloudagentsuite.com. Also, I'm excited to announce the Notorious VIP, a premium subscription service from Rob Hahn, also known as the Notorious ROB. Membership gives you subscriber-only content, both written and recorded, that is unavailable anywhere else. The difference between the Notorious ROB blog and the Notorious VIP is that VIP focuses on research and analysis, while the ROB blog focuses on commentary and op-ed. Notorious VIP is for those in organized real estate that want to go a few layers deeper. Please visit Notorious-ROB.com to find out more. I'll put a link to both sponsors in the show notes. Also, if any of our listeners are interested in sponsoring the Industry Relations Podcast, please drop me a line at gregrobertson at gmail.com. Hey, thanks for listening. And now, on with the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Industry Relations. This is your co-host, Rob Hahn. And on the other line is my other co-host, Greg Robertson. Mr. Greg, you there? Hola, Rob. <laughs> you kind of messed that. I already had it hurt. So, oh man, how the hell are you? Well, I'm I'm in lockdown, just like the rest of the country, right? So That's um, right. I'm doing okay. You know, life in house arrest. Yeah, I can't complain. I mean, yeah, we're we're very lucky. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I I get that all the time. Like my life hasn't changed much at all because I've been working from home for nine years. Like what difference right. does it make? Right. <laughs> But I know, you know, a lot of our listeners, our lives have been really disrupted. So, you know, hopefully everyone is staying safe. Hopefully everyone is staying home and, uh, you know, hopefully business is not, uh, not, not crazy. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that's actually what I want to talk about today. We're going to be, I think, what are, what are you saying? The pre-show, relentlessly positive. Relentlessly positive. That's going to be very, that's a stretch for you, I think. I, I, yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. Sonny said the same thing. So I think- I think the idea here is this, right? We want to talk about aftermath. Like, what does this look like when we come out of this? Right. Okay. And I'm going to try and position this as, let's talk about the best case scenario. Yeah, because if we start talking about the worst case scenario, we can get dark really fast. You know? <laughs> worst case scenario has us like defending our, our cache of toilet paper and canned goods. You know? So... We're going to be you're, you're, you're in a better situation to defend anything than I am, I'll say that, that, that much. Exactly, which is why we don't want to go there. You know, we want to just stay at <laughs> things work out, you know, as well as, as it could be, but we're also going to ground that in reality, right? In other words, you know, it's not like, hey, best case scenario is uh, UFOs that come down and aliens give us, you know, whatever. Like that that's just crazy, you know? So we're going to stay realistic, but look at what does this look like? What's the best case scenario? Okay. And I thought, I'm going to present my version of it, and your version is hopefully a lot more hopeful, a lot more optimistic, because that's just how we are. <laughs> well, hold on. You said we're going to be relentlessly positive, and, that's right. and you're already saying that your relentlessly positive outlook is going to look way... It's, Might be tinged darker. Because you're tinged you're, darker. Yeah, yeah but it's supposed to be relentlessly positive. I know. I'm, how, that's what I'm how saying. How does something relentlessly positive become... <laughs> 
dark. Because it still has to be realistic. Yeah, oh, it still God. has to be grounded yeah, I knew in reality. This is, I knew this is a bait and switch. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you, I'm going to give you the pos- relentlessly positive version of Rob. Right? Okay. Oh, yeah. Great. Okay. Fantastic. I'm just thinking that the relentlessly positive version of Greg might be slightly more positive. Okay. Oh, that's all. Oh, I'm, that's yeah, fine. It's not sure. a bait and switch. Let's, let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> so let me ask you, Mr. Robertson, what is, in your, in your view, the best possible outcome from here? Right. So, I mean, the best positive output from here is, I guess, number one, the virus has been put under control mm-hmm. and we are released from our homes and, and go back to work. The country goes back to work, back okay, to the so families. Let's posit that. All right. So, yeah. let's actually, we're, we're obviously neither of us are doctors, neither of us are pandemic specialists, neither of us have any scientific nothing. Like, so keep that in mind. Let's set the ground. I think the idea is Monday, uh, Trump comes on TV, you know, with Fauci and Burks and whoever, and announces we have a vaccine. Oh, a vaccine. Okay, right? so, we have a vaccine, right. and uh, we have a cure. Right. So if you do get sick, you know, whatever the hydroxy thing or or whatever, some drug, we developed it. You know, our pharmaceutical geniuses have come up with something. So number one, we have a vaccine, and number two, if you do get sick, uh, you can take this whatever drug thing, and you'll be fine. Uh, and then says, okay, as a result, at the uh, April 17th, we're going back to that timeline. Everybody go back to work. Okay. Right? Let's say we're, we're at that point. Okay. Now what? Okay. So so let me just push back a little bit there. China has gone back to work. Yep. And they have not announced a vaccine. That's right. Correct. They have not announced a cure, but they're going back to quote unquote normal. That's so right. So you're making the predisposition here that you know, in this in your scenario, there's there's a vaccine and there's a cure, yep. right? Which is which it would be nice, but is not so far from what we're seeing from China is not predicated on people getting back to quote unquote their normal life. That's correct. And China, okay. right. the, the the thing about China is, I don't think anybody can trust anything coming out of China right now. Well, yeah, I, I the, yeah. the stuff that I read is like you never you never trust what they say, but you trust what they do. Correct. And what they're doing is going back to work. I mean, the factories are getting open and- uh, Yeah. But what, um, the so. other thing that they're doing is shipping thousands and thousands and thousands of funeral urns you know, all over the place. So oh, an, That's aftermath for sure. Yeah. No, it's what I mean. is like, are they really, you know, are they really, uh, quote, back to normal? Or are they just, have they just decided, you know what? We have 1.5 billion people. If 150 million dies, not a big deal. Because the Chinese would do that, you know? Well, yeah. Okay. I mean- yeah. Yeah, we could make a We're lot not. of- uh, Right. So, I'm yeah. saying our best case scenario is vaccine plus a combination of drugs, right? Because even under that, here's what comes to mind. What, you know, again, I'm not a pandemic specialist, neither are you, but based on what we've read, you know, the problem with this thing, the problem with COVID is twofold. Number one, its death rate is, you know, 10 times that of the flu. So, the flu has a mortality rate of like 0.1%. COVID has a mortality rate that's close to 1% right now. And then number two, this thing is really contagious and with, you know, you're asymptomatic. So you and I could be walking around infected, we have no idea, and we infect, you know, grandpa and, you know, grandpa ends up in the hospital, right? Those are the right. two and real it, yeah. problems. Well, I think it, what you've mixed in the second one is that in other flu cases, the, the symptoms showed up faster, mm-hmm. so that would stop 
people from going anywhere, or it would trigger them to not to do things where with this, you can be asymptomatic for a while. And then that, right. that helps, helps it spread. Right. It's a right. really, it's a clever fucking virus. For oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm saying, so given those, so I'm, I right. think if we have a vaccine, then what we're saying is even if you do get exposed, then you're not likely, you know, you might get a little sick because think about how vaccines work, you know, you build up antibodies. So it's not like you're immune. It's just that you don't get the full brunt. Right. You know? So like flu vaccine, you know, I, I get vaccinated, all of that. If I get the flu, I still get the flu. It's just not as severe. And then the cure is, okay, it's kind of like Tamiflu, right? So yeah. even if you do get the flu, you take this thing and, you know, instead of suffering for a week and things going really bad, you know, maybe you're out two to three days and then you're back, right? Okay. To me, that's the best case scenario. All right. So that's where we're at. And let's just say at the end of April. Question, what happens to real estate? How do what we and our clients do look after that? Right. So, I mean, forget just, we can talk about real estate specifically, but I mean, I think you have to look at it just culturally. Where are we at that right. point, right? Exactly. And I, I think we are different culturally in the fact that, I mean, you know, since I've been growing up, I've been hearing my mom, my grandmother, my wife, Wash your hands. Don't touch this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Close the window. All those kind of things that I think we used to hear, but it went in one ear and out the other. And I think we're going to start listening to what has been being, you know, in the national narrative for for forever. Right. Mm -hmm. Those kind of those kind of um, platitudes are just going to take a a whole new level of importance and focus in our lives. Right. That right. we are going to start to be more considerate of those around us we're going to be more considerate of ourselves and those types of uh, those types of rituals and activities are going to stick with us going forward i don't think mm -hmm. it's going to be i think that there are going to be some people that are going to take it to more extremes and i sent some people that are not right i mean that's just human behavior mm -hmm. i think you'll probably see more as they do in in asia maybe more people wearing face masks than they ever did before mm -hmm. in our in our culture. I think that's going to be a thing. I think you're going to see things like these Perel stands everywhere where you go in or out of somewhere, mm -hmm. right? So you, when you go into a public place, you're going to give yourselves a squirt on, their, on your hands and wash them before you come in and wash them when you go out, and that'll become more of a cultural ritual. Mm -hmm. I think you'll probably see less, more fist bus bumping or, or, and less handshaking. Um, I think some people will... Will mock at, ha at having, you know, going into real estate. Some people will mock at having an open house. Some people will not. It's going to be all over the place. I think you'll still have sporting events. I think, you know, in Asia, with they had SARS, which is a little bit different, but I mean, pretty, pretty deadly back there. It didn't stop Japan from, you know, hosting the Olympics. It didn't did they, stop. Did they host you know, it though? They're not. Not. I'm just saying, after SARS. After right. the lessons learned there, we're talking about the aftermath. It's not like Japan said, we're never doing any sport events again. Right. We're never having, we're never going to go watch sumo. We're never going to go do the things that we normally do as, as a, as a people. Right. So yeah, I just, it's going to be different. It is definitely a culture changer for sure. Mm -hmm. Right. But you know, it's, it's likened to like, uh, maybe, you know, this is a little bit before my time, but probably seatbelts were. Mm-hmm. Right, and you know everybody like ah whatever seatbelts. I mean, you know, they'll, they'll trap you in your car, and then all of a sudden you just had, you know, this culture shift where everybody just put their seatbelts on. So culturally, you think? I mean, obviously the point is that some people are just gonna you know 
oblivious, you know, all right, you know, the, if we can go back to life, we're just going to go right back to how we were. But I think that's going to be a pretty small minority. Uh, I do think that most people are going to be affected by this psychologically and, and culturally, like you said. Uh, the, yeah. the level, the level of them, like I mean, again, you know, I probably see myself when I start flying again. Before this started, I I just started wiping things down. I never used to do that. Yeah, I think going forward, I will definitely be a wiper from going forward on. I might think I might be wearing a mask too. Again, some people may not. Some people will, you know, put themselves gloves and everything else on. I mean, it's going to vary between people's comfort level is going to vary very dramatically. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually, the flying thing is actually sort of interesting because you and I both are very familiar with that, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know if the middle seat can can survive after this. The only way then you have that is you can't have two seats because that's two people close to each other. So if you're just talking about a plane with like one row on each side, a lot of those seats are six feet apart, are not six yeah. feet apart anyway. So, But they're so, further apart, right? Yeah, they're further uh, apart. No, no, I'm just saying. Rob says the middle seat is dead. That's no, no. I'm I'm agreeing. What I'm saying is, I don't know how people are going to feel. I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. You know, like okay, I have to literally sit with somebody's shoulder touching mine. You know, well, well, then you're talking about the the theater. You're talking about going to a football game. You're talking about yeah. I, I don't think I don't think we I don't think us as a culture we as a culture go there. That's interesting. I, I would love to hear from you know some of our listeners because you know we know they travel a ton too, right? And yeah, who knows? Like maybe we just get back to normal and say, hey, you know, if I get sick from this, I take the the medic- medication and and get better, right? Or I've I've a vaccine, so I don't I don't care. Or, uh, or we'll they see. just they, they again, like I said, they yeah. they prepare themselves a bit sure. better so that they have a less of a chance of doing that, right? Sure. All right. Yeah. So that happens, and that happens at the end of April, right? So, how do you think this impacts for the the culture shift? How do, how do you think it impacts kind of real estate and how things are done? Like, you think open houses will still be a thing? I don't. Of course, they will. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they'll they'll either survive or people will don't will not give a shit. Some realtors will not give a shit. Some people will. There'll be some people wear masks. Some people wear you know gloves. Some people will. Not right. Um, it, it'll be varying. It's not like you're going to shut down open houses. Sometimes uh, some people will like. Maybe there's more towards uh, uh, houses being vacant. Uh, maybe it's mm-hmm. like uh, everybody leaves and 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 the person goes in there. I mean, it just it's not going to be like open houses are dead. They're just going to be. It's going to morph into different how whatever the seller, whatever the buyer is comfortable with. And those are, again, going to be varied. But nothing's going to stop. No, but I think There's that's exactly gonna stop. It. Nothing's going to stop somebody from like, okay, how does this feel to me? Right. Right? I don't see it. But that that's exactly my point, though. The cultural shift, I'm, I'm not saying the agent or the buyer or whatever. I'm talking about the seller. I don't know how many sellers could be like, yeah, I really want 50 strangers in my house, you know, just walking through, even if we have Purell and whatever else, like I don't know if I want that. See, I I, I own this home, right? And if mm-hmm. I'm going to sell it, and I'm going to, if I had to sell it next month, I would have no problem doing an open house. No problem yeah. at all. Okay, all no. right. And what, I have three kids. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, you know, sure. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust my realtor. I'm gonna trust people to have the you know the self awareness and everything else. But I mean. You know, I think the right. agent's got to say something like, "Hey, let's let's try not to touch anything, let's try not to do this and that, be respectful." And you know, 
hopefully some people will be respectful mm-hmm. and some people will not be. But I mean, I'm not going to like, I'm, it's going to be, a, I think it's going to be a better opportunity for me to sell the house if somebody's walking through that rather than looking at it on a computer screen. Hell yes. And so the idea is, even though they're just casual, again, open house literally is, you know, just, they might not be serious, right? They're and they might not, and they might, out. and they might be serious, right? I mean, they you might don't know. Be, correct. It's called, right. it's called marketing. It's called no, sales. I, I, I yeah, get it. I understand. No, yeah. What I'm saying is the seller and the listing agent both will say, we should still do these open houses, invite a whole bunch of looky-loos and random people who, you know, into your house. You, you call it looky-loos and random whatever. That's sales. <laughs> I mean, so you want to sell it or not? You want to just keep it closed and nobody can come in and unless they're, you know, the boy in the bubble or they've got a hazmat suit on? I mean, let's make it as difficult as possible to sell this house. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if like some people, to your point, are going to do that. I guess what I was thinking is if the cultural mind shift happens, because you're right, it's sales, but you know, you and I are both salespeople. There's, you got to balance what the expected gain versus, you know, expected cost, right? And it's one thing. So look, let me, let me put it this way. One of the things that I think is going to happen, and this is me being relentlessly positive here, okay? Keep that in mind. One of the things I think is going to happen is I think we end up having physical tours of homes only for more serious buyers. Otherwise, go online, tour virtually, see if you like it enough to then call whoever and say, hey, I want to go see that house. Do you think I'm wrong about that? Yes. Okay, why? Because sales is a numbers game. Well, hey, look at it virtually. Every listing going forward you know, is going to know, have a virtual again, tour, right? No, of course, they do now. I mean, and you know, no, they I don't. Think if anybody, no, they don't. Every, right now, they don't. Not every listing has a virtual tour. Not every listing, but I mean, a, a lot of them do. The virtual tour isn't selling the home. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm going to go and buy something for my family, there's just no way I'm going to look at a computer screen and and do whatever. And there's no way that an agent really is going to know. And if I if I'm like if I'm even on the fence, like eh, it's a little bit more than I want to spend. But you know, there's a mo- models like that in that neighborhood. I'd really like to see that. Oh, lie. Yeah, sure. I'm 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 serious. Yeah. You don't think that happens all the freaking time? I mean, agents know that that happens. But that could right? be a so good thing, I'm going right? to do what I'm going to do whatever I can to get in that house. Yeah, I, yeah. If I'm, yeah. I mean. I don't know how you kind of stop, like you qualify somebody as like serious, right? I mean, you know, that person might know somebody that is looking for a house. Like, well, oh, you know, I saw this house and this and that. I'll give you an example of how that happens because this is this is something I've heard is happening here, right here in Las Vegas, which is you want to physically tour the home, write an offer. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they're gonna, right? that's- Now that, that offer happen. is contingent, right? So the contingency is- this offer is contingent upon the buyer physically touring the home and continuing. And there's no earnest money. There's none of that. It's just, here's the offer. Because at a minimum, what it shows is that the buyer agent took the time to write up an offer, right? Yeah. I mean, so make an offer a house you haven't seen yet. And again, they've seen it in the photos and, and tours. And, yeah, and one of the things, well, hold on. And one of the things I've heard is that the buyer agent had to go do like a live FaceTime tour kind of deal. And then the buyer said, okay, yeah, that looks really good. Let's make an offer so I could go see it. Yeah. I mean, maybe in a market where you've you've had a lot of low supply, Mm -hmm. you might be able to get away with that shit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as soon as it flips, sellers are going to do it and they they need to get out of the house. They're not going to increase the friction it takes to sell their own home. It's not going to happen. Okay. So open houses will... So basically, you figure nothing changes. No. I mean, like I said, there's going to be... 
you know, again, culturally, like some people are, some sellers are going to want people to, it's mandatory they got to wear booties. It's mandatory they got to, you know, wear a mask. They can't, I mean, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be those types of things that we put in place for those Mm -hmm. in in those situations, right? More than we have right now, but it's not going to be just a shutdown. It's not going to be, it's only virtual until you make me an offer. I mean, some people might want to do that and they're going to try it and like, well, no, nobody. How come we don't have any offers? Well, because you won't let anybody in the house. That's why. Okay. All right. So I'm going to go with you because I'm going to be relentlessly positive. Right? <laughs> so what, what we're saying is under the relentlessly positive best case scenario, at a minimum, we're talking about doing open houses, doing showings is going to cost more because you got to buy the damn booties, right? Well, it cost. I mean, cost is a lot of things. Cost is time. Cost is booties. Yeah. Cost is whatever. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah. at a minute, I know there's a, in the best case scenario, right? All of the things the buyer agents are going to, or whoever, I guess it would be listing agent buyer. I don't know who would pay for that, right? But it's going to cost you more, not a whole lot more. I mean, booties, gloves. I mean, these things aren't tremendous expensive. In some cases, it will cost you more. In some cases, it won't. I mean, again, how, it's all. How does it not cost you more? You just told again, me the sellers going to be like they got to wear booties. No, I'm saying some sellers may do that. Some may not. What percentage of sellers do you think aren't going to do that? You just told me there's going to be a cultural shift. And then you're no, telling me it, some I'm sellers aren't going to care? There's a cultural shift for, and again, it's going to vary. It's going to have, you know, there's going to be some people who don't care and some people that care a lot, right? It's okay, just goes I know. Up and down. But w- so what percentage I, I, I of sellers? I will go back to my own example. I'm not, if I'm going to sell this home, even yeah. after all this stuff, yeah. I'm not going to require people to put a booty on, to put, you know, wear gloves and a mask and it has, or any of that kind of thing. If you want to okay. come, come to my house, take a look, see what you like. Okay. Are you going to do anything? Are you going to require anything? I'm not going to require an offer. No, I'm not going to require that. No, I know. They, like, so they, they could just come in and just what? Like, you know, open every door, right? Open every closet. Are you going to ask the agent to disinfect after? Nothing? It doesn't matter if I ask the agent to disinfect after. My wife will do it again anyway. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. So for Greg Robertson, <laughs> nothing changes after. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I would probably think that, again, culturally, that the agent and myself would ask the people to be more respectful of touching things. You know, and I think people will more do that, right? I mean, just like right now where you're not supposed to, if you actually do get to meet somebody, you don't shake their hand, right? You, you tap them on the elbow or something, Yeah, or right? something, I mean, yeah. Yeah, so those, those kind of things will, that, that will kind of, those things will play out more into like other is, things. But so, Greg, I, I, you know, I don't want to belabor the point, but it just doesn't seem right to me. Even if you're like, I don't give a crap, just come in and rub my pillow. You know, I mean, you could be. Well, but I mean, that's, I mean, hold on, let that, me finish. Now let you're me, being like, hold on, even if you are that, even if you are that, my point is this, you're going to, I'm going to go sell my house and you have three listing agents. One says, yeah, I don't, I think this whole coronavirus thing is totally, it's a, it's a hoax. It's, it's overblown. So I'm just going to do it the way I've been doing it in January of 2020. And the other guy says, I'm going to bring booties. I'm going to bring Purell. I'm going to make sure things are disinfected. Which one are you listing the house with? So I, I would look house, at- You're going to list with the second guy, right? Which, which was the second guy? The one that says, I'm going to take you know, measures to make sure that whoever gets brought into the house you know, does certain things to make sure you don't, you don't catch the sure. disease. Right? Sure. If, so, sure. Right. If, if they're going to offer it to me, yes. right? If yeah. it's not too crazy, if there's yeah. like, this is our DEFCON 1, here's our DEFCON 2 and our DEFCON 3. Yeah. I'm just saying I'm a DEFCON 1 guy. Yeah. Right? 
you don't have to go. I'm not going to make it too hard for people to come look at understood. my Understood. Right? Yeah, understood. But I'm saying if you're if you have two agents, so one says, yeah, I don't do any. I take no precautions. The other says, I'm going to supply booties and Purell in every room and all that. Are you going to go with the second guy? The best, the agent that provides the best services is going to win. Yes, regardless of whether it's right, you know, doing this in this environment right. or right. whether they do a lot more marketing on the open house. I mean, you right. know, of course, so, agents are going to differentiate right. themselves in any way they can. So in the best case scenario, even in the best case scenario, with a seller who does not give a crap, we're talking about it's going to cost you more. In some cases, yes. Because there will be cases that nobody's going to give a shit. <laughs> I mean, and I just saw a video. The buyer's going to walk in and be like, what the hell? Where I, just the saw a vi- I just saw a video of a line of cars coming out of a church. Yeah. And they were interviewing people coming out of the church and says, aren't you worried about infecting, getting infected or infecting you know, others or, you know, other elderly people. It's like, no, I'm bathed in the blood of Jesus. Right. Right. That person is not going to care about anything. They think okay. they're protected. I mean, it's okay. just, they're, again, there's just different people everywhere. I'm not, you know, she may be, I don't know. I just, so it's, it's so hard people, to you pin you down on this. Well, I'm right. not, because there's nothing to pin down because no, there is something to no, pin down. There's Greg. no zero or one. No, Greg, Greg, there's, there is something, right. In other words, you can't say that we're all going to go through this cultural shift because our psychology is affected by this and then say, but it's not going to have an impact. I, I did say, I didn't say it was gonna, not going to have big, I so, said that the impact is going to be different for di- different people. Yeah, but you could say that about everything. So I'm saying as a whole, as an industry, and that's why I talk about percentages. You think 50%, 70% of homeowners are not going to care who comes into their house or is it like 7%? There's a huge difference. Of course, you're always going to have some outlier weirdo case out there, you know? Yeah. So I think I, the majority of people are are not going to be at a DEFCON 3. I think the majority of people are going to be at a DEFCON 1. They're going to expect something, but not something crazy. So, booties and Purell, is that something or is that something I, crazy? I, I think booties right now are kind of standard a lot of times anyway. Purell, sure. Yeah. Rubber gloves, masks. No, no, I don't think. I think. I think the rubber glove math thing is a personal thing. So some people are going to wear a mask, and some people are not. I mm-hmm. think they're just mask people and non-mask people. Okay. Um, it might you might increase more mask people because of this, but um, all right. But that, I think that's a personal thing. Um, all right. All right. So I don't. I don't know where we stand. I'm saying in the best case scenario, there's going to be slightly additional cost. Sure. All right. Okay. So that's on the in some areas. On that side. No, I so where I think you and I differ is I'm saying I don't I think we're going to see a lot more folks simply refusing to have physical tours unless the buyer is you know at least a little bit more serious. Okay, so so let's let me let me put it back to you then. Yeah. Percentage wise, mm-hmm. how how much of a drop in percentage going forward to open houses? If there's if we do oh. a thousand a thousand every you know let's just make it easy a hundred yeah. every year. Yeah, what does it become? A hundred every year, a hundred or a thousand. Well, whatever. I mean, it's just a percentage. I, I, I think you know, it, just my my gut right now, not knowing whatever you know the details. I'm gonna say open houses drop to like 20 percent of what they are today. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, that's what I believe. Um, yeah. In my view, because again, going based on the psychology of where people are today, I really do think that the majority of homeowners are going to be like, if you're not pre-qualified, I, I don't need to open my house to you. Well, pre-qualified, sure. Well, that's a pretty serious buyer. Open houses, like people are walking uh, open, in. Yeah, but that doesn't right? qualify for open house. Yeah, I mean, but the open house stuff is really more of a, 
it's been treated traditionally as a lead generator more right, than right. Than but if I'm the homeowner, I don't care. I, right. But if I'm the homeowner, that's where my, my kids and I live. I don't care about your lead generation. If yeah. you're not pre-qualified, you're not coming into my house. Yeah. I, I think that's going to be the majority of sellers out there. I don't think open houses change at all as far as the number of them. I do think that they might just be handled differently. That's all. In, maybe. In so, ways. right. Maybe. And if that's the case, but, then- But drop down to 20% of what they I, are now? Yeah, that's, because that's I, I think I think sellers today or before this happened, before BC, before COVID, I think sellers are just like, my agent says I should do open houses because it's an effective way of marketing. They don't question it. Going forward, I think they're going to question it. I really do. I think people are going to, it's now, especially if they have like, you know, if they're, if they're elderly, I mean, you know, think about it. Sellers who are like 70 and say, want to retire, move to Florida. They're going to be like, yeah, let's have an open house and I have a whole bunch of people walking through this, my house. I don't see it, man. I just don't. So again, let's, we can agree and disagree because there's yeah. other stuff with this, right? Yeah. Dropping 80%. <laughs> I think you're crazy, but yeah. Okay. Maybe it's 50%. You know, the p- point is you, you think drop of zero, I think drop of 80%. Truth is probably somewhere in the middle, and that's me being relentlessly positive. Right. Okay. <laughs> that's one way to think about it. All right. So that's on the transaction. What else comes out of this? Well, I think that the, the other thing is the V or the U, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're going to be and, positive, we have to say it's a V. Well, no, I think a U is positive. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying there's kind of a leveling off to like everybody get geared back up again and then go. But I do think that there is, I was listening to this other podcast about online activity in regard to uh, home products, right? I mean, mm-hmm. people are just at at, the, at their house right now looking at, and they've been in their house and there's a lot of things that they like about it and a lot of things they don't like. And some people are going to want to upgrade what they have and some people are going to want to get out. So I do I do think that it's not going, I think, and if you look at the data from China, which I saw in another presentation, uh, it was more of a U type of thing where and the transactions got back pretty quickly. Well, that's um, a V, right? Well, yeah. It's more of a V, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about it this way. In your view, we know that April, I mean, it's just awful, right? We know that. Yeah. What month do we get back to previous, you know, before COVID levels? So I don't think, I think, I don't like to look at it that way because it's just hard to predict what month. I would say to me, the question is like, how long does it take before we can get to, you know, in real estate, like the level mm-hmm. of handling transactions, right? And that's a question that's regional out there because some people have shelter in place, so the county recorder office isn't isn't right. Up no, and but running, what right? like hey, but we're saying all of those are lifted at the end of April. That's our best right. case scenario, right? Right. I think you got to give people close to a month to get back in the groove, right. right? You know, some people will come back, some people won't. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, V-shaped recovery, what I'm saying is if 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 you said it's a month, then we're saying by June, right? If, well, whatever, if everything's yeah. lifted April 30th, right? Right. The month of May is still kind of bad because people are kind of getting back into the groove. Yeah. Then you got to give people – I don't think it's unreasonable to say it's gonna. there's going to be a transition time to go from this to what we were before, sure. Agreed. But that's yeah. – one month is a V-shaped recovery. A U-shaped yeah, recovery yeah. is – it's not going to be back until next year sometime. Well, I think I think you could probably say a quarter could be a U-shape. A uh, quarter would be a V-shape, dude. That, oh, that's okay. how I look at it. So three okay. months. I mean, so sure, a V-shape okay. is at most a quarter. So at most, yeah, everything absolutely. comes back April 30th. May 1, everybody's back at work. Everything is back. Now, but again, May- that matters when it happens because if, if we're here in September and then we go in the holidays, mm-hmm. 
Well, it's going to take longer because it, you know, it's right. a seasonal but that, that's what I mean. That's the best case scenario analysis, right? So okay. May 1, everybody's back at work. May 1, every all the restrictions are lifted. May 1. Yeah, so it takes we, it, and then it, it, the quarter, we take a quarter to get everything up and running and then and then things start happening. Right. So quarter right. basically 3 months cuz obviously June is the end of Q2. Yeah, right? yeah. So Q2 is going to be awful. Right? And then the idea is it'll get ramped up and so by Q3 so by September we'll be back to where we were in January, February. Right. That's a V-shaped recovery, man. Sure. That is as quick as you know as we think is going to happen. Yeah. Because the U-shaped recovery I think would be something like even with all that, all this change and blah, 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 and economic dislocation, this, that, and the other thing. So we're not really going to be back until, I don't know, uh, next spring. You know, I mean, that's a U-shaped recovery. Right. But at least we're back next spring. You know, <laughs> like right. the worst case scenario is something that like we enter an economic depression and unemployment's at 30%. So we don't recover for 10 years. I mean, that's the worst case scenario. Right. So right. a V-shaped, which then says probably by August, September, we're back to where we were. I mean, if it ends at the end of April, which is not going to happen, but yeah. Exactly. This is why it's a best case scenario, yeah, right? Yeah. So figure three months after the all clear sounded, we're back to normal. It's going to take three months to get back to normal. Seem fair? Yeah. I mean, again, it's it's hard to say because there's so many things that touch a real estate transaction. Does that mean the the mortgage, the, you know, the, the financial, they get their shit together? I would say- I, I don't know. They would, they would get their shit together the quickest because they're- greedy as fuck and they want that money, right? <laughs> and the country um, needs it. The government, you know, as far as getting out like, you know, you know, all the, the cities and everything yeah. else to kind of yeah. get all their county records thing going. That's, I mean, it's it's so hard to- Well, so most of us are still going, it. right? Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing you got to think of is like, there are some states out there that are doing a lot better than let's say New York. Everybody's doing better in New York. <laughs> but you yeah. might you might see states- Put their own restrictions in place as far as bringing outside people in, but might lift their you know stay at home or shelters in place and, and start operating on a normal basis where other states may not be right. So it's it's a it's a, like I said, it's not a binary thing, right? Okay, so that seems like a, that's your best case. Is some states are going to have restrictions, others won't. Let's move on to the next thing. Do you think best case scenario buyer demand remains the same? Buyer demand remains. August, the same. September rolls around because we're going to have a V shaped recovery, right? September comes around. No, I do not think buyer demand stays the same. I think buyer demand goes up. It goes up. Yes. Okay. Let's 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 think about that. Why? Well, first of all, going into this, just looking mm-hmm. at our numbers, and you know, no, you know, talking with agents. I mean, it's still a low inventory, mm-hmm. you know, market. So you know. Buyers want a lot of you know property, but the property is not there yet. So going into this, we already had a short supply. Right. I think now because everybody's been in you know the shelter in place and everybody was pent up in their house. Right. There has been a lot of pent up demand. Right. That they couldn't do anything, and I think there's going to be even uh, a lot of people that want it, more people that are going to want to buy houses, and they could not. So I think because of those kind of two reasons, I think that's. Enough to say that it's probably there's going to be an uptick in buyer demand. So you don't think first-time home buyers will be affected by this? Well, that's not the question you asked. No, because dude, first-time home buyers are thirty-five percent of buyers last year, right? Like that's NAR stats, right? We looked at buyers. First-time home buyers make up the biggest percentage of buyers ever. Okay, right? so if you're asking me the question, I mean, if you're asking me if there's you know overall buyer demand, I would say it would be up. First time home buyers might have more of a difficult thing because 
for what's going on in the, in the mortgage industry right now is like, they may have been laid off. They may exactly. have tapped into their savings and exactly. things like that. But um, exactly. the people that are out, you know, but still saying that, I think there's still going to be people, I think there's going to be more people wanting to buy homes at the end of this. So I don't, I don't see how that works. You got, you got, you got to explain that one to me. So, well, you know, so 35% you're, of you're buyers are first time home buyers. Yes, They're the, not going to be able to. 65% are not. Right. So right? you're saying the 65% number will increase. Yes. Even though the 35% first time home buyers, they will decrease. They may decrease. Yes. And I, it's a pretty good chance that they will. So where are the where are these like mid level fifty somethings that have been owned that have already owned houses like where are they coming from? All over the country. No, but what I mean is like, dude, this is what I'm talking about. Like, from what I understood, the last four or five years, when people talk about we're in this low inventory, really constrained market, a lot of that demand was coming from first time home buyers, the thirty somethings, you know, who've been renting for a while, but they got married and they had a baby, and they're like, hey, it's time to buy a house, right? But we're in San Diego, and you know there's nothing on the market. We make a good living, but it, you know if we scrimp and save and blah blah blah, we got to put together a down payment. We can, we can you know make make some uh, try and get a house. What we're saying is after this, a lot of the first time home buyer demand will drop. Not because they don't want to buy a house. We no, they don't want to buy a house. It's that during these next three months or whatever, even if everything's lifted May one. They're going to have tapped into savings. They might have gotten laid off. They're now economically less secure than they were going into this. So they might be like, let's wait another year, right? Let's save up some more money. I mean, that seems normal to me. That seems like the best case outcome here. Yeah, I think it'll, I mean, I guess we're just arguing like what that decrease is going to be. We don't know what the government don't might Correct. do Correct. also, right? So Correct. yeah. And again, so, I'm, so yeah, I'm not talking about the people who have a couple million so you, dollars we, in the bank. We, so you think we shift to a, after we come out of this, it's going to shift right to a, a buyer's market? I think it still ends up being a buyer's market, but I, the my, what I'm thinking, even a best case scenario- I just think scenario, that's crazy. I think, I say, I'm know. saying even a best case scenario, right? The first time home buyers, we have to expect that that demand will be cut. All right. So I'm just writing this down. So 80% less open houses yep. and we switch to a buyer market immediately. That's oh, no, no. no. I'm sorry. Not, not a buyer market. We, we're still a seller's market. That's what I'm well, like. If I don't a seller's think the, market, then, then I don't think, it, yeah. at the minimum, it's stayed even. At the, at, the, at the other side of that, it's gone up, like I'm saying. You're talking out of both sides of your mouth. If you're saying it's going to be still a seller's market. Correct. But, but not, not as much, if that makes sense. Right. In other words, so if you, we don't were think at a, it, you think it's going to stay the same? No, I think it's going to drop a little bit. But what I mean is we're not going to shift over to a buyer's market. Right. Right. Like if we were at 100, you know, for seller's market, I'm saying we might be at more like a 60 So, so okay. So, I'm, I'm saying it's going to, buyer demand is going to go up. You're saying buyer demand is going to go down, but still not right. enough to be Correct. a seller's market. Oh, Correct. Okay. Correct. All right. But it, it will- And, and, you, and you were saying, uh, you were telling me earlier, I was- <laughs> What I'm being positive. I'm being relentlessly positive, right? Okay, all right. Because again, what I'm saying is like I think one of the one of the real upsides to this is that I do feel like a lot of let's call them millennials or you know sort of first time home buyers who maybe you know they have the financial wherewithal, right? And they weren't laid off and you know whatever, but they were like, we really love living in this one bedroom condo downtown. After 60 days of being stuck in that one bedroom condo, I think a lot of them would be like, you know what? We need a yard, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I could see that effect happening. 
but I think the number of first-time home buyers who, you know, look, I, I've been a first-time home buyer, so have you. Like, you're scrimping and saving every penny you've got to buy your first home. I think a lot of those people, they might want to buy a house. I, I just don't think they're going to be able to, right? So that offsets each other. So maybe it's not 35% of you know buyers are first time. Maybe it's 15%, 20%, right? So it'll yeah. be a slight decline in demand. And then we'll see what happens with the mortgage markets you know, and, and whatnot. But realistically speaking, I don't think it's going to be back to where we were in January. But it's not going to switch to a... To a uh buyer's market though. I don't think it'll switch to a buyer's market. No, but I do think we go from like, you know, turn the Dow to 11 seller's market to maybe it's more like a seven seller's market, you know? Okay. So I mean, that's, not, but I mean, that's, that's relentlessly. So you're saying- That's being relentlessly positive. Yeah. That, that's yes. a good thing, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. So, okay, great. How many agents and brokers are left in September? Yeah, great question. So I think we talked about this before, but I've looked at NAR's membership is just is just astounded me because in the past, and, and this is going to be it's going to be very interesting to call this. In the past, you saw the membership rise as unemployment rose, right? right? But in the case of the last you know few years, as unemployment has dropped, NAR's membership have, has gone up, right? So it's done the complete opposite of what it did in the past. And that's that's how, you know, from reading, and that's my understanding. And NAR could give me some long statistic. Well, if you look at the history, right, but I mean, right. that's that's overall, that's the kind of vibe I get. Right. So now, if you're going to say, well, looking historically in the past few years, if it's going to go opposite like it has been, then then the membership drops. But if it goes back to traditionally what it was, it's going to, it's going to rise. Right. So it's, it's hard to call, um, <laughs> you know, this is a, you know, commission only job, right. Yeah. The costs in it are once you, once you get a license, you know, probably the, at a base level, you have to cover your association MLS expense, but there, you know, if you just stop doing everything, there's not, you know, there's not going to be a lot of cost to that. Right. So does it drop? I don't know. I don't think it rises. I do think it's going to drop. Mm-hmm. And if I'm gonna if I'm gonna make a prediction of how much it drops, it's one point. I think one point three is inflated already, mm-hmm. right? So I probably think you're gonna lose up to two hundred thousand realtors. Sure. So we're at like one point one. So make it like a ten to twenty percent decline. Yeah, ten. What you know? Okay. Uh, tw- ten to twenty. What is that? Yeah, twenty ish. Okay. Who? What's what's the characteristics of those agents that leave? You know the ones that really were not were not producing that are faced with like I could make that I could make that payment before because of it was whatever and now I got I got dick mm-hmm. you know I got nothing going on I just I, it was a side gig for me and I don't even have my side gig anymore my real gig right so you kind of have that I think um, but again I think the numbers have been inflated for a while for reasons I don't know mm-hmm. maybe people just started watching Bravo TV and thought they could be. Josh Altman or something, you know? <laughs> so this or is, I guess, where, where I'll, I guess I'll have to defer with you on this because from what I remember back in, you know, when we saw the last, you know, decline, right? 07, 08, it wasn't the onesies, you know, it wasn't the part-timers and onesies Susie's that left. It was the mid-level, lower mid-level agents who were full-time, you know, maybe doing six to eight transactions, but, you know, that's enough, depending on the market, right? To pay their bills. And we lost a lot of those people because they, they couldn't make ends meet, so they had to go get jobs. I spoke with a, a broker friend of mine, pretty large broker, really smart guy. And basically, he kind of said the same thing. It's like, 
the people who are doing one or two transactions a year, they don't care because they already have other things going on. You know, we'll, we'll have them with us forever. No, but I, but but I'm yeah. saying is that they won't have other things going on, right? Those people will have lost that that gig. They they're not they're not a waitress anymore. They're not a bartender anymore. Right. They're not you know those because those side those those their real gigs. I'm saying this is different because they would have lost those jobs. So I think he's wrong in that thing where, you know, the guys. But why would they leave then? If they lost the other job, then they might as well get full time into because, real estate. Well, <laughs> yeah, right? maybe. But I mean, to me, again, if they don't have the, if they have no income at all. Yeah. And then try to get into it. I, I don't. I don't think so. I think you know. Th- then it's going to be hard to make that association payment or something, right? But go ahead. I mean, I interrupt. I mean, you. but if if it wasn't a big deal to them to pay a couple thousand, you know, whatever thousand, twelve hundred dollars a year. Right to just have if they had a, when access. they when they had a job when they had a job right so the now they don't that, have a job right now they don't it have a job a now they don't have a job so they're also going to get rid of the one thing that could give them a windfall I, I don't see that you know because to me the the people that and again the last time well, this in happened, a windfall where the well. whole country shut down right absolutely yeah it, that, that, you it's know not like you, they can go right the there bartender waitresses that are the true part timers the soccer moms we can argue that point too. I mean, yeah, there's no demographic data available on this, but I mean, you, know. you were saying that your bro- what you were saying earlier was your broker was saying, well, they already have a job somewhere else. That doesn't describe no, no, no. A soccer. Mom Actually, yet. no, that it's not that they have a job; it's that their spouse has a job. Okay, well, that's that's your and then change. and then the guys who are so you know who are doing this as a side hustle, side gig, you know, a lot of they're not waitress and bartenders for the most part. They're people who. Like as an example, I know Sunny uh, in her when she was back when she was a broker. Uh, I think three of the agents in her office were full time cops. They had a real estate license and they were you know with her with her because they would just sell houses to other cops, right? And so yeah. they didn't do a tremendous amount of business. Yeah, but, but I mean, how many you know? how many Uber drivers have you talked to that are agents? How many bartenders have you talked to? <laughs> a lot, a shit ton. Bart- okay, bartenders so haven't. You know, I don't really a shit know a lot of bartenders, but you know. Yeah, Uber drivers. I a do. Lot of I, them do. Are. <laughs> I do. I do. And they're all fucking. I've got a license. They all have a license. Every Uber driver I've ever had had in California feels like they had a real estate license. Oh, you know, exactly. so there's that. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like the loss is going to come from that lower middle. You know, because the top producers aren't leaving; they're going to do just fine. The bottom feeders, you know, they're they weren't doing this for money. You know, for real money anyway, right? So they're gonna they're gonna stay. I think it's that middle, the fat middle, where we're going to see some losses. So what I mean, if I'm making a prediction of like up to twenty percent, what are you saying? I think twenty percent seems reasonable, especially because we have all this all this financial relief stuff happening. If that wasn't happening, I'd say it would be more than that. But because we have all this financial relief, I feel like you know twenty percent seems like a decent number, right? It could be more, oh. but best case scenario, I think twenty percent loss seems reasonable. Well, the, the other thing that's different about now, and of course, as we talk about this, it all depends upon the length of how long this lasts, right? I, that's why we're talking best case scenario. Yeah. But, and then the other thing, and let's, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to maybe making a, a point for you is that, and this would also probably lessen my thing. It seems like for the first time ever that independent contractors, due to NAR's efforts, are going to get a check. Mm-hmm. So- they may just keep their MLS license and their association license because they do. Like I was making the argument, they don't have a gig now; they they can't afford it, right? Right. You know, in some cases, some of these guys just hop on the goddamn government, you know, cheese, mm-hmm. right, and and still get to play that, right? So, right. 
So right. you know, again, maybe maybe you know maybe uh, maybe NAR numbers are really are not that much in jeopardy, right? I mean, it's 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 a, such a there's so many moving parts here. There's such a domino effect on everything. It's hard. I mean, I know people are. I'm sure people are screaming at the goddamn computer or their iPhone. However, they're listening to this. Right. <laughs> they have their own opinions. Well, you're not thinking about. This. I know. I know. You know. You know. Yeah. We, you know. It'd be fun. We need to do like a town hall, like the first yeah. ever industry relations town hall. I have it opened it you up really? to live audience and just have like a big Zoom, you know, thing and. Yeah. And see what other people think. Um, yeah. Now, so that's agents. What about brokerages? Well, the vast majority of brokerages are, are based single shops, right? So I think you right. got to kind of you got to put them in the same kind of capacity of of, of looking at agents, right? Except so, that they have other costs that the yeah, single agent well, does yeah. not. It's going to be hard for those guys for sure. So, right? but then, but think? then again, those guys they're more vested because they got their broker license, right? You might have some part time brokers. But it's less prevalent than like part-time agents for sure. For sure. Yeah, I, I think that they've invested so much into this that they're going to keep their license and they're going to keep their subscribership with the MLS and association. No, no, think, not that. But they don't have to stay a broker. They could just roll up under another broker. Sure. Okay, but that that would still mean they're they're a, a member of NAR, right? Correct. But it yeah. does mean that they're not a participant broker in the MLS anymore. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, what percentage of brokerages remain after this is all done? Best case scenario. Yeah. Everything's back in September. 90. 10%. So, lose 10%? Yeah. I think it's higher. I think higher, it's higher. They, lo- they lose higher or it's higher that they stay? No, I think we lose more. Right. I think it would probably close to 30 to 40% loss of number of brokers. Yeah. God, you're wow. And that's best case scenario coming back in September. Yeah. Right. Because. My my thesis on that is pretty straightforward. It's not that they're, you know, going out of business or whatever. I think what it is is all of a sudden they realize cash flow is super important. And if you're a one man, two man, three man shop, you're almost better off going under a larger brokerage and take advantage of their, you know, you know, and their, you know, what I'm saying like stuff like that. And office rent is not cheap, and all of those things. So it's just, especially in a virtual. I think a lot of those brokerages just decide it's not worth it. Let me just go join a, you know, Kel Williams or EXP or, you know, HomeSmart or one, you know, whatever mm-hmm. Realty One, one of these guys. And that way, I don't have to pay for ENO, I don't have to pay for all this stuff, and I can still do my own thing. Right. I think we're going to yeah. see a lot of that. Yeah. So up to thirty percent on that. I think. Okay. I think it's it could. Uh, yeah. So best case scenario, I think it's maybe twenty five percent. Now, because a number of those smaller sort of, you know, as we call them, two-man shops, I think a lot of them are just ego-invested. Like, it's super important for them to just be like, I'm a broker, you know, nobody, I, I don't have a boss kind of thing. So, I think they'll keep those. But I do think that even the best case V-shaped recovery scenario, a lot of those guys are going to look at what's happened to their cash you know, balance, what's happened to their bank account and be like, yeah, it's just not worth it. And yeah. if the larger brokers are smart and they are smart... Especially, you know, sort of the hundred percent guys. I think they would go to those brokers and say, "Why are you paying all this? Why don't you just come join us?" And you can still do your own thing. Like, there's no boss; nobody's telling you what to do. Right. So, I do think that that's going to happen. Again, but it doesn't really matter to NAR. It doesn't matter to MLSs because they're still going to pay. Right. It might yeah. matter some MLSs if if they have a different price point for you know a participant broker versus a salesperson, but. You know, I don't think it's going to be a huge hit for any of those people, but I do think we're going to see number of brokerages drop. Yeah, and again, like I say, it's it's a hard to 
the biggest factor is how long this lasts, right? So all these numbers, I think. These are our best case scenario numbers. Right, right, right. Because right. if we say, look, uh, it's not a V-shaped recovery, we come back in September. It's a U-shaped recovery, we come back in next March. Like all of this changes. Yeah. You know? And, oh, by the way, here's the other best case, what, why this is best case, which is that we're not going to see a resurgence in October, November, resurgence of COVID. Yeah. We, you know, we're, assu- we're assuming we're assuming every you know this is we we figured it out right in, right in whatever exactly. fashion right yeah exactly you know the, the, yeah so that's why I'm saying this is best case so where are we at when it's all said and done so uh, again I'm an optimistic person I I believe in this country I believe that we can get through this together this is a seminal moment I mean I. I was just talking to my son and, you know, he's a freshman in high school, but, mm-hmm. you know, he's talking with his friends and like, you know, in the future, when you say you are, you graduated high school in 2020, that's going to mean something to people, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to go, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you're a COVID kid. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I, th- so it's, it's a big thing here, right? So, but I'm positive. I think we got through the, the great recession. I think we can get through this and I think it's going to, I think, depending on how quickly we can get out of this is going to be the biggest factor in how and how long and, and the bounce back will be. But then, you know, after that, it's, you know, whether or not this triggers other things like a recession, they've been talking about a recession before this. So any any talks of recessions probably are amplified now because of, of, of this whole thing for sure, right? But, you so, know, again, I'm optimistic this is not going to be a fatal blow, you know, in a sense, right? Oh yeah, no, I don't. I don't think anything's gonna be a fatal blow. And again, this is our best case, super optimistic scenario, which is very far from kind of what we think might really happen. You know, right? And I, I wanted to keep it that way because if we start thinking about what's you know really more realistic than that is recession is. So in the best case scenario, we don't have a recession because recession is two quarters of negative growth, and first quarter was great, second quarter is gonna be negative, and the third quarter will be positive. You know, that's the best case scenario. Realistically, we probably have a recession because second and third quarter will both be negative. Right. right? And then realistically, you know, yeah, May 1 comes along and, hey, everyone go back to work. We're still going to have thousands of businesses that have just gone under in the meantime. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Sad. So, I mean, we're, we're going to have some of those things realistically. You know, best case scenario, those are really minimal and a lot of those businesses, a lot of those people just find other opportunities, you know, when September rolls around, you know, buyer demand is is going to be pretty strong. I mean, you know, so that's the best case scenario. Realistically, it's probably far short of what we just painted. And I think the point for then our listeners is, you know, again, this is just two guys' opinion, two, you know, morons on the internet, right? But uh, we've been around and we're pretty, we're pretty smart about some things. And we think that in the, even in the best possible case there are some fundamental changes coming. So, you know, I if whoever's listening, like you got to think about your own market, your own situation and figure out where do you think is realistic and what do you consider to be like the best possible outcome. And by the way, I, I do think it's worth not thinking about the worst possible scenario. Right? Like just do the best scenario and then what you think is, you know, sort of the more realistic scenario and then figure out what you want to do based on that. Because again, you know, once you go into worst case scenario, you, know, you got to be thinking about defending your your stash of of dried food and toilet paper. <laughs> so, right, right, right. Don't go there. You know, don't go there. Keep your mindset positive. I don't know. Do you think this was useful? You know, I think people are going to have their over and unders on the thing that we talked about. I think yeah. 
I think we touched on some cultural things that'll switch. I think there's some hard numbers as far as like member count and things like that, what the market's going to be like. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you know, just the fact that we're talking about afterwards is I think a good thing, but um, well, we'll have to hear from our, our uh, listeners what they thought. You know, um, actually, Plus, we argued a little bit. They always love it when, like we I always know. say, they, they love it when you argue. So. I know. You know what? I, maybe what's the best way for us to try and get some feedback from our listeners on this? Because I'd love to hear what their what their thoughts are. Um, well, I, I know that I. I mean, what I can do is I usually post this on my blog vendor alley where yeah. they can listen it there. Yeah. I can give you that player too. You can put it on your blog. Yeah, and yeah. In the yeah. comments, they can kind of put it there. Okay, let's do that. So, you know, for this one, we're we're really soliciting your thoughts and your comments. Who knows? Maybe we'll do another another show. We in the pre-show we talked about. Maybe we do like a, you know, like a big Zoom, invite a lot of people and just be like, hey, come listen. Yeah. And, uh, and give us your thoughts. Notorious- maybe we'll do another one of those. Uh, but I'd love to. Have a, yeah. When are you going to have the notorious ROB uh, Zoom happy hour? That's what I, I'm. I'm looking forward I, to. I, I think that'd be awesome. So you know what? Let us know. Um, you know, either direct message us or just put in the comments or whatever, like whether you think that something like that would be would be useful and entertaining. Other than that, hope everybody's keeping safe and healthy. And uh, thank you for listening. Right, by the way, Greg, what do they have to do? What, what do we want them to do? We want them to give us a great review, write a review on Apple podcast stuff there or anywhere they listen to podcasts. Give us a good rating, write us a good review because that really does help us rise in the rankings. And yep. uh, we totally appreciate it. Thank you, yep. guys. And tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next time, Greg. You too.